Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. What's up, guys? We're going live here with Jacob Casper today. Excited for the opportunity to talk to Jacob. Should be jumping on in a few minutes. Thanks for everybody stopping in. This is Coach Croc, Chase Crocker here today live. Beautiful day in North Carolina. All right. Let's get this bad boy started. Jacob, how's it going, bud? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad, man. I can't complain. How about yourself? Oh, likewise, likewise. It's a beautiful day and, you know, get to spend some time with some family and some loved ones and catch up on home projects and such. So it's a pretty uh, good time. Absolutely, man. All, all kinds of stuff we can get done at home at this point. Um, it is a beautiful day. Thank you for stopping by and joining us on Meeting of the Minds here. Um, we appreciate you dropping by. I want to give you a little introduction first. You're a two-time All-American. Um, fourth in, at the NCAA tournament, ACC champ in 2018, and, and the only Duke wrestler ever to win the Southern Scuffle. Is that right? Yes, sir. And now you're coaching. Tell us a little bit about that and that transition from athlete to coach. Yeah, so I came on to the, to the staff at Duke uh, right after my senior year. Uh, spot opened up. The assistant that I had worked with the most actually ended up moving on to a different career path. And uh, in doing so, opened a spot on staff for me, and Coach Lanham offered me the opportunity. I jumped on it and, you know, tried to fill that role to the best of my abilities. And then coming into 2020, I knew you can't be the slave to two masters. That was something that the coaches had always preached to us, and it was, do I want to be a coach or do I want to pursue my dream of being an Olympian and competing in Tokyo and had to make the tough decision, um, some of it on my own terms, some of it not on my own terms, to step away from coaching then and get back to just focusing on competing and being the best wrestler I could, could be and was qualified for the Olympic trials, which should have taken place last weekend, but ultimately it wasn't meant to be at that time. So just trying to continue to improve and get ready for whatever's next. Absolutely. And, and really we don't know what's next at this point, right? Right. No, no time frame and no plans really. I mean, so just gotta, you know, coach Lanham always preached, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. So just trying to stay ready. 
I love that. Hey, so so what? How did you feel going into it? If, if we weren't on this quarantine period right now, were you feeling good about last weekend? I felt really good. I uh, again had some things that were out of my control. I wasn't really able to start training. I qualified for the Olympic trials basically without training, um, and then was able to start training at the turn of the year and put in a good good six weeks. Went down to Cuba, competed. Uh, had. Two really close matches, one with Jaden Cox and one with Silas Perez. Both have been in the world finals multiple times. And right. felt like, hey, with six more weeks, you know, I, I've progressed to this point in six weeks. With six more weeks, I'll be where I need to be. And then with plenty of time to get ready for uh, 2020 in Tokyo. And, um, man, I thought all I thought I was firing on all gears and I was running. And, you know, all cylinders were, were a go and I was ready to go. But, um, you know, I'm not taking it as a no. I'm taking it as maybe just a not yet. So going to continue to to progress and get better. And if anything, I think this helps me more than anything. It's given me more time to train and get ready. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that a lot. Uh, where our mind goes, where our focus goes is, is where we're at. And we have no, no option, but to be positive right now, cause we're negative. We're, we're never going to, we're never going to survive this whole epidemic pandemic. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything's, everything's mindset. You know, that's what they always preach in wrestling and you just got to apply it to all aspects of life. Absolutely. And that's great. So, so let me ask you this. What percent of the sport of wrestling do you believe uh, would be my mental mindset? Um, it's a tough decision. I, I'm glad, you know, I've had some time to think about it. But the, the number that I came up with was, you know, roughly 70 percent. And I say 70 percent. It, it leads me back to something I remember Kerry McCoy saying. And I remember um, I think I was told this actually by Jamil Kelly and Daniel Cormier while I was out in California. But something they had preached to me was. Karen McCoy had told them or somebody had told them, as long as you do what you're supposed to do, you beat the people you're supposed to beat, and you know, you handle the things you're supposed to handle, you'll beat 70% of people or more. And, you know, I think so much of what goes into that is just mindset then, you know, handling the things you're supposed to handle, beating the people you're supposed to beat, and doing those things will beat 70% of the competition. It'll get you to the NCAA tournament, it'll get you, you know. To the Olympic trials are close to it. It'll get you to those aspects of life. But really, in the next 30% is where um, some of the things change. I guess a mental component impacts 100% of who you are as a wrestler. But uh, in, in the given moment, in the given time, it's 70% is what I feel like. That's great. And and if it's 70%, I know you've, you've been at a pretty high level as far as wrestling at Duke and had a lot of resources available to you. Um, did Duke do anything to help train the mental aspect of sport? Yeah. So actually going into my junior year, it was funny. There was an interesting shift. Um, I was a guy that was not known that nobody talked about that had, you know, everything to prove to the world and wanted to set the world on fire and wanted to prove everybody, all the naysayers wrong and all the haters wrong. And, um, really tried to focus on that going into my junior year. And I let a lot of negativity fuel me. And I have a good year. I win Southern Scuffle for the first time. I had, you know, one of the longest win streaks uh, going into, like, conference time in the country. And going to the NBA tournament was high-seeded and, um, you know, kind of made good on what everybody was expecting. And then the next year, um, there were expectations put on me. And it wasn't, nobody thinks you can do this anymore. It was, man, everybody thinks you can do it. Can you actually do it now? And it, it created a lot of internal um conflict you know you, you don't want to let people down then and you feel like you're carrying the weight of the program and you feel like you're representing your coaches your teammates you're the guy that was the first time I, my junior year was the first time I was ever the best wrestler on my own team all the way back to 
being as young of a wrestler as when I started, which was three or four years old. I had never been the best wrestler on my own team until I was 21, 22 years old. So it was a lot to take on late in your career. And um, I, I used the resources I had. I talked to the people that um, I had known had been successful. And they all told me the same thing. Hey, start meeting with, you know, the sports psychologist. There's one at Duke. Start, you know, doing your own due diligence. Read the book Flow. Read, um, you know, all these types of different reading materials to, to give you an edge, to help you compete better, to, to make you get along better. And that's what I did. So I started meeting with Dr. Greg Dale. Um, you know, unfortunately, I had dealt with a lot of personal loss at the same time. I had lost a couple loved ones um, going into my senior year as well. And it was the first time in my life I had ever dealt with that. So wow. there's a lot of shifting things. As a senior, you're worried about what's next to come. Am I going to get a job? Am I going to do this? You don't know what plans next. You know, I lost loved ones. I had these new um, pressures that I was putting on myself to compete and to perform better. And uh, ultimately, a sports psychologist and reading a lot of uh, different material helped a lot um, and actually sports psychology material. My original plan after graduation was to go to grad school for uh, sports psychology. So it's nice. something that I put a lot of time and effort into. Nice. And I, I see, I, I think I read an article last night about, are you taking classes currently? I, I, I was looking into it at one point and I haven't been, I've just been, really focused on training um something i'm a big believer in and so much of my career i accredit to is controlling all the variables in my life and almost getting into like a groundhog day routine where everything's monotonous and boring and you know almost lonely in some ways on the climb so that all my effort and energy and focus is put on to just getting better and just to improving and it means for me waking up at the same time working out at the same time at the same place um, eating the same things at the same time, setting alarms on my phone. So I don't even have to put conscious thought into any of that. I just go where I'm pre-programmed to go. I eat what I'm pre-programmed to eat. And everything that I um, care about and put focus into then is into improvement and growing. And uh, that was something that was really, really important to me with making the decision to come back and compete and to kind of seek the truth of where could I be if I actually gave it one more run. Um, so that was something that I cut out of the picture in order to continue to compete. Right, right. And and speak of Groundhog Day, I feel like everybody knows what you're talking about right now. If you haven't seen that movie, but uh, everybody's living Groundhog Day right now uh, during the quarantine. How has this disrupted you? I mean, obviously your patterns have changed. Are you struggling with that? Yeah, this is this isn't something I'd prefer. Um, I think a lot of people would get on here and tell you what you know what they think people want to hear. Of oh no, it hasn't impacted me at all. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And, uh, you know, and that would just be a lie. You know, um, it's hard for me to um, what's the best way to phrase this to, to keep in a routine when basically there's just a checklist now and you can get it done at any point in the 24 hours. Right. So does it matter if I wake up at six like I was for most of this year or does it make, matter if I wake up at nine and it doesn't really matter as long as I get what's on the checklist done? And does it matter if I go to bed at 9.30 or does it matter if I go to bed at 11.30? As long as I get what's on the checklist done, you know, you're kind of on your own terms now and you're kind of on your own routine, your own plan uh, on when you do things. Um, the, the biggest limiting factor right now is when the sun comes up and when the sun goes down, which before, you know, you're in the gym um, with artificial lighting and you've got a RTC practice at a set time every day and you've got a lift with your, your strength and conditioning coach at a set time every day. And now you're, you're in a time and place where none of that stuff determines your daily routine so it's been hard um instead of looking at keeping everything 
at certain times and keeping it like Groundhog Day. Instead, I'm just looking at the, the task list, the to-do list every day and making sure I'm checking all the boxes on that. That's that's what's keeping me through it. You know, sometimes I wake up and I don't feel like lifting first thing. So instead I go and, you know, walk the dogs or go and work on my truck or whatever it may be. And then when it's time to lift or if it's the last thing I have to do, as long as I get it off the to-do list, I'm getting it off the to-do list. And that's, that's kind of the beauty of, of the situation we're in right now. I mean, you get to make your own schedule. I'm a teacher uh, full-time, and, and mindset's my, my side gig. So the biggest struggle for my kids talking to them have been getting, getting structure. Like, they don't know how to create their own schedule. If you were to give someone younger advice, would, would you recommend writing your day out ahead of time? Or you'd say, you'd say marking it off the list, do you physically write it down? I, I, if you looked at the notes on my phone, you would be blown away. I have so many saved notes. Um, I've got actually right next to me right here on the couch. I have, uh, two different, um, leather bound notebooks that I keep constant listing in terms of what are my life goals? What are my short, short term goals? What are my long term goals? Um, what, you know, what are my project goals around the house? What do I need to do to get my body ready to compete at the Olympic trials? What do I need to get my body to, ready to compete in whatever's next in life? And right. what, what mentally do I want to be able to say I've accomplished in terms of like academic success um, and all those things? I mean, it's just notepads and notepads, both physical and both electronic on my phone. And every single day I have certain things I want to accomplish and I set out to accomplish. And uh, that, that's what I'm really, really struck. Uh, trying to get through right now and it's a struggle every single day uh something my older brother and i had talked about my older brother is actually special forces in the military and uh, one nice. of the first things we've realized one of the first things is if if you wake up you lay in your bed you play on your phone you get up when you want to get up you hang out and you do all that stuff it doesn't set a good tone for the day and you need to hop up you need to get up when the alarm goes off you need to get that work in and it sets the tone for the day in terms of productivity and the level of efficiency that you're going to operate at and uh, that's something that I would recommend then, I guess, more than anything. I think note-taking is important, having a clear direction and what you want to travel, um, but paralysis by analysis is a big thing. If you sit there and just worry about writing notes all day instead of, you know, putting boots to pavement, then you're not going to get anything done at the end of the day. And sometimes a, um, an okay plan executed now is better than a great plan executed later on. Sometimes you just got to roll up the sleeves and do the work, I feel like. I like that. Um, and, and that's speaking from, I, I don't know if I mentioned, it's a three-time all-academic All-American at Duke University. Uh, and you said your brother who's Special Forces. I mean, that, that's two pretty high-profile uh, individuals, young people, telling you that you, you need to write it down and you need to get some boots to action the next day. Uh, we teach at Mindset, you know, every night they have to do self-reflection. They talk about things they improved on, things that they they, they want to get accomplished the next day. It is very important to write things down. Uh, there's power in that pen. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I you know I keep up with what Wrestling Mindset puts out. Um, I was always engaging with Wrestling Mindset on Twitter for the longest time. I, they've got a great following on Twitter. Right. And so much of what they put out was, um, unfortunately, with where I was in my career, Wrestling Mindset wasn't around at the time. But it was so much of the system that I had to develop and self-cultivate in order to be successful. And you now look at what wrestling mindset does for these young athletes and it gives you the shortcut. It's a cheat code. Right. And the fact that it took me so long to struggle and to develop this routine and to, to try to get an idea of what I was supposed to be doing based on reading, what are the seven habits of successful people? And right. what are all these other people in, that are successful in other avenues? Or what did John Smith say he used to do? And you know, there's a cheat code now that they're telling you exactly what you need to do. And that was something again, 
back to my college days that I was doing with self-reflection at the end of the night and also confidence building. Um, sometimes you wonder, you know, there's always that, that um, cliche saying like, why not me or whatever, you know? Uh, but you know, why, why you was a bigger question for me. Why, why do I deserve to have that happen? And I would write down at the end of the day, what everything that I did in order, in order to be a national champ, I woke up on time. I drank water as soon as I woke up. I took my supplements. I went right to work out. I maintained eating right. I maintained sleeping right. I took a nap that day. I recovered. I worked out three times wrestling. I drilled this. I focused on this. And I would write down every single day, this is what I did. And this is why I deserve to be a national champ rather than why not me. And, you know, like I said, I think what Wrestling Mindset preaches is so important, not only for the sport of wrestling, but just in life in general. And achieving those long-term goals of having a family and being a husband or wife, you know, with all the women wrestlers uh, that are being so successful right now. And I just think it can not only um, create success in your athletic life, but just in your life in general. And it's something that everybody should really, really pay, pay attention to and utilize. Right. Um, being grateful. Would you say you're pretty grateful? And the first thing we always tell, you know, our four mindset principles, I am thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. And that's been taken away from everybody. Could you talk about gratitude just a little bit? Tell me, tell me what it's like. Uh, do, do you use that gratitude, being thankful? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm close with a lot of the guys at the Wolfpack RTC. Those are the guys that I train with. Those are the guys that I interact with every day. And if you put me and Michael Machiavello in a room, you'd point at him and you'd say, wow, that's a really grateful, happy person, a happy, cheery, go lucky person to be around all the time. And uh, me, maybe not so much. But the truth of it is what I'm grateful for and what I realize, um, it, it happens internally on, in me. I'm not someone that projects it on other people all the time, um, that talks about it all the time. You know, I got a small circle that I trust and right. that I, I interact with all the time. Um, but that's definitely something that's big in my life. And it's, you know, you don't have to do certain things. You get to do certain things. And that. just phrasing everything in your life is a win-win situation. Um, you know, I, I'm not shy about it. I'm going to pursue a career in professional wrestling when this is done, my amateur career. And everybody said, why aren't you signing it right now? And it was, okay, 2020 Olympics. So I go and I don't make the team and I sign the same exact contract I have right now. And then I start pursuing that career. Or I go and I make the team and I can maybe achieve a childhood dream of being an Olympic gold medalist. And then I sign an even bigger contract. Right. It's a win-win, you know, no matter what, I get to put a, a final book ending on my amateur wrestling career and then I get to um, you know progress into my professional wrestling career and either way that anything turns out I'm going to forever know and be able to, to seek the truth in that situation um, that's a big thing for me is, uh, is truth seeking and then ultimately um, you know it's a win-win situation I went down to Cuba and I was in a bracket with Salas Perez uh, Jaden Cox and Hayden Zomer and it's like why are you competing so close to the trials okay so I go and I don't beat any of these guys and I'm in the exact same position as I was going into the trials or I go and I beat some of these guys and I move up and right. it's a win-win you know regardless I was coming out of Cuba learning um, on things that I had to can, can uh, I had to better prepare for and better control going into the trials it was another opportunity to compete not another opportunity to improve and ultimately you know there was nothing to lose in those situations and I think we get so caught up in um, things that don't actually matter that we see all these opportunities as something to lose or something to um, lose or gain when really 
every situation, every opportunity in life is a gain gain situation. It's right. not about it's not about earning the scholarship. It's not about getting the state title. It's about improving who you are as a person, towing the line, making yourself do things that aren't um, super comfortable. It's about becoming a better person, and that's a win. And sometimes it's about um, you know back to the sport of wrestling or back to to all of life. When we were young, you danced when you wanted to dance, you sung when you wanted to sing, no matter what people told you of whether you were good or you were bad, and you played how you wanted to play, and you were a chef when you wanted to be a chef, and there was this kind of pure and true instinct to do what you wanted to do and be who you wanted to be, and um, ultimately wrestling is a game, it's a sport, and you're supposed to do it for fun, and you're supposed to do it because you love it, and you let some of these external world pressures, what is Flo going to say, what are my parents going to say what are my teammates going to say impact the, the the truth of the matter which is you're just a kid and you're getting to do what you want to do still and like that's just such a, something beautiful and pure and something to be very gracious about and um you know i think i think you have two ways to look at life either you happen to, to walk into this life by pure accident and there was a bunch of crazy crazy um, tree branch choices that led you to be where you're at and doing what you're doing and to even exist in this life or you're here for a purpose and something's going to come of it and when you when you approach the day every day like you have a purpose and that there's something going to come over your life you're more gracious to be here you're more grateful um, for the opportunities that every day presents and you're going to try to make the most of it and that's the way that I approach life every day whether I project it onto others or I don't that's great and, and what would you say do you know what your purpose on in life is? I mean, that's the ultimate question everybody wants to know. What, what's the meaning of life? But I feel like you got a pretty good grasp on what you want to do with yours. That's such a tough question. That's something everyone should grapple with, I think, daily. Um, and, you know, a lot of self-reflection, a lot of things have, have led to change my career path. But I think the one thing that's remained constant is the legacy and um, that I want to leave and what I think my life purpose or calling is. And I, you know, I think all of us are put on earth to positively impact others. Yes. And for some people, it might be being a wrestling mindset coach. And, you know, you're able to help so many people with your audience. And for a while, the way that I was raised in a blue collar household and stuff, that was always told, you know, doctors are people that help people, that impact people. So for the longest time, I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to help people. And then over time, you realize there are so many ways to go about it. And I think ultimately for me, um, what I want to do is I want to help people. I want to impact people. What causes are most near and dear to me. I think um, Special Olympics is very important to me. I think getting everybody the opportunity to experience sport, regardless of what uh, cards they were dealt in an early part of their life is very important. I think Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, is very, very important to me. I think being able to grant people um, some of their unfortunately, uh, last wishes or things that they want to achieve or accomplish in life um, to have that legacy that we were just talking about. Um, I think that's very important. And then also the opportunity to remove barriers for people that were born into less fortunate situations, whether it be socioeconomic or, you know, geographically constrained things where, you know, right now Mississippi doesn't have a state wrestling tournament. And there are plenty of kids that I've provided wrestling shoes for, for from the city of Toledo. And, you know, I think it's really, really unfortunate that so many people are kind of directed or steered clear of certain things in life because of things that were out of their control. And if at the end of my life, people could say he was a guy who, you know, was straightforward, blue collar, worked hard, told the truth, was the kind of guy you want your son to be, the kind of guy you hope your husband is, 
kind of guy you want your brother to be, your sons to be, um, you know, the kind of person you'd be proud to know. And he had an impact on others through the Special Olympics, through Make-A-Wish Foundation wishes, through providing opportunities to underprivileged youth. And, uh, you know, I'm also a big animal lover, so maybe an animal rescue thrown in there and helping homeless people. I mean, all those causes are near and dear to me that, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big guy, but I've got a really, really even bigger heart and those things all impact me. So I think everybody's purpose on life is to impact others. Um, you have to figure out which avenues you can best pursue that to help others. And then you got to figure out which causes are most important to you. And for me, those are some of the things I guess that are important to me. That's very nice. And, and when you make it about others, it's always going to be uh, it's always going to be better. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, I'm preaching to the choir right now with you as a teacher. You know all about it. So you're impacting others every day. And I think that's a really important thing. Clearly, you know, you feel that's your life calling. What, 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 what do you, how would you answer that question? I guess Her, my purpose in life, I, I, you know, it's changed. I mean, I think you're always constantly evolving and looking at different, um, you know, it, it changes. So a couple of years ago, I had a mindset shift and, and, and I felt as if it, it is all about others where I've had it wrong before where it was all about me. So, uh, when you put others first and, and when you put God first, then, then, then you, you typically are on the right track no matter what you do. So I would say that as well, man, just helping others. And, and, and I've got a, a life saying, you know, I want to help others help themselves because a lot of people don't have that belief, uh, the confidence, the mental toughness that, that you know, a Jacob Casper has or, you know, a Hayden Hidley or someone like that. But um, everybody's got it inside of them. That's the beauty of it. They just don't, they just don't understand it. So I want to pull it out of them. Something interesting you mentioned was, you know, the ability to help yourself and also at times in your life you were um, focused on yourself rather than helping others. Um, you know, there's always that analogy that goes around when the plane's going down, they always tell you to put your mask on first before helping others. How much of that do you think is important in your life in terms of making sure you're focusing on yourself enough to be able to have the platform to preach or to be able to impact others through financial means and all of those types of things. Well, you, you definitely have to take care of yourself uh, physically and mentally. Um, and, and But you have to have a, a, a tier. I mean, you have to have some values. And I teach that in school and in my health class, you know, faith, family, fitness, and finance. And, you know, nothing goes above the faith. Nothing should go above the family, you know. And those last two are pretty interchangeable, you know, fitness and finance. One day I might be working on my fitness. One day I might be working on, you know, making some money. Um, but I should never go above my faith or, 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 or my family. So that, that's kind of where I am. I think you have to write it down. And then you, and like you talked about goals, I like to make goals off of those four, you know, life values. And, and if I do four or five a day, if I'm knock them out, great. If I don't, Hey, I'll retry, you know, I'll do it again tomorrow and, and, and knock the ones out of that. I didn't get to get. So, um, you have to do some self-knowledge, self-reflection for sure. Definitely. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think that's, that's so important. And I think, people get lost in pursuing one or the other and something that Daniel Cormier was recently preaching um, on actually like a show with Ariel Hawani was that the universe balances itself and I think balance is so important focusing on yourself focusing on others focusing on yourself focusing on others and you have to have that healthy balance in order to to really have the greatest impact not only on yourself but also on others so uh, that was something that I thought was really cool a cool message to relay that is and it's tough right now I'll say because because I'm trying to balance mindset teaching being a dad being a coach being a, being a husband and and we're we're stuck indoors all the time you know so i'm like get away from me so i can do this for a little bit and then and i come off come off as a bad guy sometimes but once i get my stuff taken care of then i go take care of this so so there, there's got to be these these moments where you where you put some things aside and take care of yourself and then you go take care of the other things i mean 
it's a constant balance. Like you said, that's awesome. Um, let's see. Shaq said, what books do you recommend for some insight on mental toughness? Do you have anything you've read about mental toughness? Um, you know, I think mental toughness is a, is a lot like muscles, right? It's something you have to exercise daily in order to improve and to grow and, and to get stronger. But um, some of the things that I thought were really important, first off, I, I struggle to sit down and read. So I'm a big guy on audiobooks, but I also realize the discipline involved in making yourself do things you hate, which include reading and running for me. So I make myself do them because you have to do the stuff you don't like sometimes in order to do the stuff that you do want to do in life. Okay. And therefore, I think it's important to practice that discipline. But some of the books that I read that I would recommend is uh, Peak Performance. I thought that was a really great one. Um, Flow was a really important one. It talked about getting you into that trance-like state. Everybody's had that day where nothing could just go wrong for them. Everything went right. And uh, that was a great, great um, read for me in order to, to get myself mentally where I needed to be to compete. And I thought that one was really important. Flow, Peak Performance. Um, I enjoyed like uh, wrestling mentally tough. It's a book that came out silent gladiators. I I'm a big uh, nonfiction guy. I like reading biographies and learning what certain people did to be successful. Um, because again, for me, wrestling mindset was never there. So I had an inquisitive nature about successful routines and how do I get to that point? And it's created this um, search for me that I always want to search other people out, search what their lives were like. Maybe they have, an ingredient to make my recipe a little bit better and i'm trying to constantly add different spices and seasonings so that when my uh my product comes out of the, the oven it's going to be as good as it possibly can be yeah we got some fire on the silent gladiators it looks silent like uh, it's a good one yeah somebody threw some heat on that one um was that scc wrestling scc so i want to talk about your, your your future wwe career um one one guy that you look up to if you would emulate one wrestler who would it be a professional wrestler did you look like John Cena a little bit? I will say that. <laughs> yeah, that's what the, the ESPN article said. He's the next John Cena, and um, or the first Jake Casper, right? That yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. You know, the, my response to that was the first Jacob Casper. Um, early in my life, you know, I was a pro wrestling fan, big Stone Cold Steve Austin guy. You know, I'm from a blue collar situation, big Rock fan. I'm a polarizing guy. I like to think of myself as people either love me or tend not to like me, and I'm fine with that either way. Um, but the truth is I want to focus on myself. Um, when I was younger, you had these role models and these people you looked up to and you put them up on a pedestal a little bit and it could have been, you know, pro football player. It could have been your dad. It could be whoever. And you slowly realize over time that these people all have flaws and that everybody has flaws and that there's nothing wrong with that. But when you look up to someone or you want to emulate someone or imitate someone, um, a lot of the time, you know, you're, you're a second, second rate version of them and you're not even as good as they are and they're not as good as they should be. So I, I find such a, I have such a hard time trying to emulate and imitate others. Instead, I've tried to shift all the focus on just being the best per person I could be. Um, so that at the end of my life, if somebody, um, you know, replayed your life for you, you'd be proud of all the choices you made. You'd be proud of all the decisions you, you made, but also so that you can be that role model that maybe wasn't there for you that um, you know, those people continue to let you down, but you know, by your own moral and ethical code, you shouldn't let anyone down. So you should maintain your own moral and ethical code so that you can be that person that maybe wasn't there or that wrestler, pro wrestler that you know, when people ask, who would you want to emulate? You can say yourself or maybe you know, John Smith, Johnny Smith, 10 years from now when they ask him and he's in a similar situation to me, he can say, 
man, there were a lot of guys that came before him, but I think Jacob Casper was the one that I would want to most be like. And I guess that's what I, I would want to be me, and I want to be the best version of me. So that's who I'm hoping to emulate and to be like. Love it. So, so finish the move. What do you got? So I actually hit a uh, pretty nasty claw lift a lot in college. When guys would stand up and I'd have the claw on, I would uh, drop the hand down in between the legs, and I was able to rotate them over the top and basically made them front flip. And that was something – that I hit on very large guys when they didn't want it to have it hit on them. So I'm hoping with some of the uh, differences in pro wrestling that it's going to be a little bit easier to hit and that I think it's something that can go over because I've proven that I can hit it in different um, situations before. And I think it's something that's never been done before so I can kind of put my stamp or trademark on. And that's Love important that. to me too is, is leaving a legacy. I think – so I have a little brother also. I have an older brother who's special forces. I have a little brother who was wrestling D3 this year. He's the number one uh, – D3 heavyweight in the country. It was 30-0 and 0 and 12 hours away from getting to compete at nationals when they canceled everything. But uh, we have very different aesthetics. We have very different looks, but uh, actually kind of similar skill sets and move sets. And I'm hoping he gets an opportunity to be in the WWE with me, and maybe we can both hit it side by side. Then I think that would be pretty cool, too. could be the Casper era. Heck yeah, man. I like that. Um, so if you come in right now and Vince says, you got the choice. You want to be a, a, a heel or a face? What are you picking? Um, He's probably not going to give you that choice, but <laughs> you have you definitely have more creative control, I think, than people realize. Um, I think so many factors go into it. It would depend on you know, dream situation. I guess is the best way to answer that. And the dream situation for me is um, my brother and I having a successful um, professional wrestling career together, maybe as a tag team for a little while, or more importantly, as individuals and getting the opportunity to headline WrestleMania together against each other, oh, wow. and. Um, you know, there was the Attitude Era in the 90s. There was the Ruthless Aggression Era in the early 2000s. And they're kind of searching for that. There's a PC Era a little bit right now, but they're searching for the next era. And I think the Casper Era might be the next era. And I think us two and WrestleMania, two biological 100% brothers feuding, wrestling. It's, it's the most pure and true thing. You know, you start, you come out of the womb and you want to race people and you want to wrestle people. And the person you grow up with fighting more than anybody is, is your brothers and siblings. And there's just a natural chemistry and something true and pure about that that I think people could get behind. Um, so if Vince McMahon sat me down, that would be my, my vision for the future. My brother and I despising each other and going at it at WrestleMania for a while. He can be the heel. I can be the face. I see him as a – he's so similar to a Stone Cold Steve Austin guy, in which Stone Cold Steve Austin couldn't do wrong. I've never met a person that doesn't like my little brother, and that's a really strange and weird thing. Me, on the other hand, people either – love me or they dislike me and um i, I can see myself filling that role so kind of similar to how the rock and stone cold steve austin feuded i can see my little brother and i feuding and then uh instead of transitioning to what was next maybe we could team up and do a tag team thing then after that after we have all the belts and to really kick off the casper era so i guess i would want to be a polarizing figure rather than a healer or a face i got you that's awesome yeah it's almost like The Rock and Stone Cold, you know, you're going to boom and you're going to cheer them. Either way, you're getting energy off of it, right? You're feeling Absolutely. both of those. I, do, you, do you wish you saw better characters in the sport of amateur wrestling? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I was going to ask you about that. Uh, your alter ego, um, we, we teach a series on alter ego, and it's, it's, a, it's a mental toughness series. And basically, we want you to who, – who you really are, Jacob Casper. What's your inner wimp? You have to really realize what, what do you what do you want in life? What 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 are your needs? What what do you, 
what, what's your little wimpy side? For me, it's Chasey Bear. You know, I need a little hug every now and again from my wife when, when, I, when she comes home and, and dinner's done and everything's cleaned up. And she doesn't say anything. It pisses me off, right? Uh, so then I become Coach Croc and I get all, you know, WWE style, you know, on a different <laughs> level. So, so you got the, the wimpy side, you got the, the normal, just you. And then, so what would your alter ego be? Like, how, how do you get there, number one? And, and do you have a name for them? I know you're different. You, you throw it out there. Like, uh, you got a little edge to you. Uh, and I like that about you. Yeah, um, one of the one of the books that I was reading, and I'm struggling to find the name of it right now off, off the top of my head. Um, oh, the Brave Athlete, Calm Down is what it was called. Um, that's not the book I had mentioned, uh, Shock, but um, that was the book that I was reading. The book that I had uh, also mentioned was Wrestling with Mental Toughness. I think it has a picture of like Dennis Hall on the front cover. Uh, I enjoyed reading about Olympians and stuff that had improved their mental toughness through the way that they had lived their lives. That's the, the book that I previously mentioned. In the book, uh, The Brave Athlete, Calm, Calm Down, um, they talk about alter egos and the fact that many people um, like to have the idea of, I can flip a switch and I can be this person. And, you know, they basically found a study where I think, you know, three out of 10 people actually have that where they can flip a switch and be a different competitor than they are in the practice room was specifically what they were looking at. And seven out of 10 people can't. And so much of who I am is all the time. And I, I don't know if I need an alter ego. I'm, I'm a lot to handle, you know. Props to my girlfriend for being able to deal with me this long. But right. um, And she gets to see the unfiltered, uh, direct version of me. You know, one of the things that's so great about having a person you love and you trust so much as, you know, uh, a girlfriend that you've had a relationship with for eight-plus years now is um, she gets to hear. When I speak to her, I speak to her the same way I speak to myself. Right. And that cuts, cuts, uh, causes a lot of conflict and struggle sometimes. It's not always the best thing. But she gets the true, unadulterated, unfiltered version of myself. And, um, you know, I, I think who I am and who she gets to see I am um, is a pretty good gimmick or a pretty good character already. Do I maybe have to turn the volume knob up a couple uh, levels? Yeah. But I think who I am, the intensity that I bring every day to my life and, you know, the desire – and the determination that I attack every day with is ultimately who I'm going to be. Um, it's who my parents raised me to be. It's, you know, the son of a, a school teacher and a UPS worker who was also in the military and a police officer. He worked several jobs at the same time while he was raising us. It's, you know, the nephew to an uncle who's a welder, who's a pipeliner, um, grandson to somebody who worked in the steel mill and was a mechanic, was an electrician, coal mine. I mean, those, those are the people that I am. You know, I'm a blue collar guy that got a white collar opportunity at duke university and you know i don't take that lightly those are my people you know my best friends like brad metz who just threw a thumbs up on uh this video here you know that's my best friend in the world that's who i got to be the best man in his wedding and those are the nice. people i can't let down when i wake up every day and i know what i got to do um those are the people that drive me and it's created quite a character because i'm not going to let many things get in the way and or anything get in the way and because of that i'm hoping that instead of an alter ego or somebody that i can you know, flip the switch on and off. I'm hoping I can be that person all the time. And I hope that there's not that time. Wow. He's in a bad attitude. He's in a bad mood or he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. That grateful person who's excited for the opportunities, who's trying and striving in all aspects of his life to be the best person he can be at all times. I hope that never gets turned off and I hope I never have to turn it on and off. I hope I can just be that person 24 seven and it's a struggle, but yeah. I, I found myself over time, more and more time out of the day being able to be that person and live up to those expectations I impose on myself. So 
I think it's definitely a possibility and something I'm going to continue to try to improve at. Right. And, and, and I know you were a little outspoken about Duke not uh, doing scholarships, right? That was one of your things a couple of years ago. You used your platform to really uh, push that agenda. Uh, any, any talks of getting scholarships at Duke Wrestling right now? Um, I'm not too intricately involved in uh, discussions with the athletic department or anything anymore. Like I said, I'm no longer on staff and I've kind of right. stepped away from all of that. Um, but, you know, regardless, a conversation got started that maybe wasn't happening before there. Um, yeah, I've got a fake, I've got a neon shirt on. It was neon at the time that I wore on the podium and I took a lot of heat. I had meeting with meetings with athletic directors, especially after uh, Coach Lamb said, hey, now I want to hire him and bring him on staff. You know, that, <laughs> that was an interesting uh, dichotomy. But, um, you know, it got the conversation started. It was something that I felt passionate about. I sat in the athletic director's office um, after my junior year going into my senior year, and I told him I was on UFC um, embedded with Daniel Cormier. I was, on, I was in the NCAA semis on ESPN, and I've gotten the Duke name out to millions of people. There's not a single person on this campus that can wake up and do what I do day in and day out. Throw who you want with me. Jabari Parker, Zion Williamson, maybe they can do it for one day, but if they can do it for two days, three days, one week, two months, two years, five years, which is what I ultimately ended up doing, then I'll, I'll admit I'm wrong, but I know for a fact that there's no way that they could do that. Yeah. And the fact that I have to bear the burden of student loans after I've represented the school so well, I've represented myself so well, I've brought so much publicity and I've worked so much harder than anyone else, I don't think's right. And I think that, you know, there needs to be a discussion for scholarships and that's what started the conversation. And then that shirt, actually, I've never told anybody this, funny enough, I got it printed because I fully expected to win a national title. And I was gonna walk out of the tunnel for my national finals match wearing that shirt. It had on the front, uh, get Duke wrestling scholarships with the Duke D and on the back, it had the athletic department's phone number. Oh, wow. I was expecting to not have to wear my warm up top and to be able to walk out and everybody's going to see the back of that shirt and be able to call Duke and tell them they wanted us to have scholarships props to the fine silver brothers that hopped on and also wore the shirts with me to warm up at nationals. But, um, you know, Which one? There's like 20 of them. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it easy when half the arena's wearing the same shirt that way. And, right. um, you know, Duke's got a big endowment. If they wanted to do scholarships, they definitely could. They could step up and find a way, you know, like what we preach is no excuses. Make the effort. Don't make the excuse. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it, it eventually happens. I don't think it's on. There's a course of action for it at this given point in time, but I think it might eventually come to be about. And if I even played the smallest, most meaningless part by wearing that T-shirt, that's a win. And that's again, true. it's a win-win situation. What's the worst thing that happens? They don't give us scholarships. We're already out of them anyway, so right. <laughs> no point. Um, I just saw it as a win-win. I, I knew the cards that I had, and I played them the best I could. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been around all kinds of athletes, and I know for a fact there is no sport that works as hard as wrestlers. And, and you know, obviously basketball at Duke is going to get the limelight, and I'm a huge Duke basketball fan. Uh, and they And that constant success they've had, and they work hard too. I mean, every athlete does, but there's something about the way a wrestler – has to train their body, train their mind, give up things that they, that, you know, foods. And it's just, it's unbelievable what we, what we put ourselves through, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm sure something wrestling mindset preaches is like, in so many sports, there are, um, what's the right word? Like getaways where you can have mental breaks from the sport. Right. And maybe when you leave the practice room and you're in the classroom or you're in your dorm room or whatever, it's an opportunity to break away and to relax and to not think about it. The sport of wrestling is a little bit different because it's depending on how you're eating, 
how you're sleeping. And, you know, the, the line that I love so much is when you're out there, it's lifestyle versus lifestyle. And sure, you get, you know, a, a deck handed to you that maybe has, you know, some better cards in it based on genetics or size or whatever it may be. But ultimately, you control how you play the hands you were the hand you were dealt and that's impacted by your lifestyle every single day and you can make up for maybe somebody be get, to be given a loaded deck you can catch them and pass them and beat them and um, wrestling doesn't have that that breakaway um that getaway that gives you that mental break instead it's kind of got to be who you are and how you are all the time and that's tougher for for some people and like we were talking about routine and uh regimen like that helps some people and right. You, you just kind of got to be prepared for that, I guess. And all those other sports, you know, steak and lobster for dinner. And, you know, they're, they're fueling up, getting ready for the next day while we're waking up and doing it again on an empty stomach and, you know, dehydrated as well. So it, it takes a different different person to be a wrestler. And that's why I felt so passionately that Duke Wrestling deserves scholarships. Yeah, and I think it's coming. And you and you will be one of the reasons that it got yeah. there. And, you know, hey, look, Duke, Duke's not cheap either, man. You're going in there and getting the, you know, Big time education, and you're probably spending two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars. You're coming out in the hole so deep, man. It's tough. Yeah, it's it's like so many other things. Um, you don't you don't go to practice every day and think, man, what if I can't be a national champ? What's what's the point of even doing this? Instead, you go to practice every day, knowing that you can be a national champ and that you're going to work and you're going to earn it. And you're investing that time, that sweat, that blood, all that you know, that work eth- equity into your craft and it's the same thing with duke at school you know does it cost a little bit more yes but often you get what you pay for and you know just to give let's give like simple scenarios and this is what i tell people all the time say it costs you i don't know twenty five thousand dollars a year to go to duke i think tuition's at seventy thousand unless your parents make a lot of money you're going to get financial aid so say you're paying twenty five thousand a year you go four years you come out a hundred thousand dollars in debt or you can go to a state state school for free. You come out zero thousand dollars in debt, right. okay? And then you get a job coming out at the state school. You make fifty grand a year. Well, after five years, you've made two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you have zero debt. After you come out of Duke, we have more six figure earners than anywhere else in the world. You make a hundred thousand dollars a year. After five years, you have five hundred thousand. You deduct the one hundred thousand that you had in student loan debt. You're at four hundred thousand versus two hundred fifty thousand. It's an investment on the upfront. Just right. like paying the price in practice, you got to pay it sometimes on the upfront so that you can get the rewards on the back end. And that's what I see it as. And that's why I made the decisions that I did to go to Duke University. Absolutely. And that, that's one of my buddies back in the day. He would say, pay now, play later. Or play now and pay later. And I love that. That's the same kind of thing. And and I use this one a lot, especially with wrestling mindset. Uh, comfortable now means uncomfortable later. And then uncomfortable now you're going to be comfortable later. So it's important to think long-term, not just what's in front of you. Absolutely. Like, you know, there's that Oprah quote, do what you, you have to do now so you can do what you want to do later on. And there's also yep. the quote, I think uh, Leonard Fournette put it out there. And he said, when I got to college, I told myself, you can work hard for four years and have the rest of your life easy, or you can have these four years easy and have the rest of your life hard. And you got to make that decision. And that's, you know, what I think is really, really important. And people, people often give in to the, the feelings of immediate comfort, instant satisfaction, gratification, um, whatever feeling that they want to chase so that they can be comfortable in the now rather than putting themselves through those extremes so that they can be comfortable later on and get used to that level of operation and efficiency. And I think it's such an important message, especially for young people right now, to get right. used to being hungry, to grinding, 
to working hard. And then you'll be successful. And maybe it's not the sport of wrestling. I've had plenty of teammates that I was on the team with at Duke that did everything right and that worked hard. And at the end of the day, they had careers that you would never even recognize right. that had losing records, maybe won a handful of matches and that struggled in a lot of different ways. But now they are some of the most successful lawyers and doctors and, you know, family men and husbands and brothers that you could ever want. And I mean, again, it's back to that moral and ethical code, faith, family, you know, fitness and finance and financial fitness is also the same thing, but maybe they weren't successful in terms of wrestling, but because of the characteristics and the traits that they had hardened and cultivated in their time in the program and through the sport of wrestling, they were able to be successful in life as a, as a bigger picture rather than just through the one avenue of amateur athletics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this is great. Um, I really appreciate your time, Jacob. Um, anything you want to leave us with? Uh, any final thoughts? I mean, everything you've said today has just really been great for me. Uh, and I hope our crowd, I mean, our, we got 10 viewers now. Hopefully a lot of people check it out later. Um, what you got? That's a good question. I, I was on a radio call show right before this. And, uh, oh, wow something that I was thinking about coming off of that call and something that always resonated with me um, throughout the course of my career. And it's that saying, if you want to go fast, you go alone. And if you want to go far, you go with a group. Right. And um, I got to experience both of it. Um, I had some great high school teammates that helped push me to go far in the sport at the high school level, which got me to the college level. And then I had um, a lot of times in college where I was by myself and I was in that loneliness, but I wanted to go fast and I wanted to improve fast. And again, so much of my routine was Groundhog Day so that I was doing everything by myself, um, went wrestling with a coach by myself at 7 a.m. in the summer, lifting by myself in a back room at, se at 11 o'clock. You know, they always tell you that the view is lonely or the, the view at the top is lonely, but the top isn't lonely. The climb's what's lonely. Right. And you've, you've got to know, again, back to that balance. When can you go by yourself fast and when you, can you go with others far? And there would be times where I'd go by myself really, really fast and I could feel myself starting to get burnt out after four or five months of the same routine. And I would go back and I would surround myself with, you know, I've been blessed with so many people that are good impact uh, people in my life that are role models and people that help shape me and who I want to be. Uh, Dylan Ryan, Cole Baumgartner, my girlfriend, my brothers, Brad Metz, Max Roshkoff, my parents, my coaches, Coach Lanham, Coach Whistle. Uh, my coaches at the high school level, my club coaches, the Spielmans, like all those people had such an impact on me. Brandon Lenod, like these people shaped me, the fine silver shank. And like when I was having a hard time going fast anymore, I had to go with a group so that I could go far again. And right. it was that balance. And I think that's something people should realize, too. Sometimes you're going to have to be by yourself. You're going to have to hunt alone in order to be strong and to go fast. But then it's OK sometimes to realize that you've got to circle back and have that group push you and help you so that you can go a little bit farther. So I guess that would be the, the, the ending statement I would want to make. Yeah. And it does, it comes full circle right there too, because you mentioned earlier in the conversation, uh, it, it's about the people, it's about the people you come in contact with. And if, when you make it about people, you, you really can't go wrong. One last question I, I want to ask you, sure. what has kept, what has kept you in the sport of wrestling so long? So long. Is that what you said? So long? Yeah, yeah. That's what that was the question that got asked to me this morning, and you know, it, it made you wonder. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be honest with you, Jacob. I, I didn't start as a as a wrestling guy. Now, I've always liked WWE when I was growing up. I'm, I'm more of a baseball oriented coach. I got moved into a situation where they threw me into a coaching job, 
And I'm like, oh, my God, man, I'm coaching wrestling. I mean, these guys are crazy. I, you know, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So, of course, you got to learn. I was very uncomfortable, which made me better. Uh, when I went into that job, I was 258 pounds. You know, I'm currently, you know, I'm not, you know, no stud or anything, but I, I've lost a lot of weight. I'm 175 pounds, 180 pounds. Uh, wrestling changed my life. Seeing what the kids went through changed my life. Um, seeing how hard they work, the sacrifices they make, how they just keep falling down but keep getting back up. I love it. And uh, I, I told myself, th this is the way to go. Once you wrestle, because it's the hardest sport in the world, once you wrestle, everything else is easier. So I guess my biggest regret, regret is I didn't uh, – I haven't coached wrestling for 20 years like I have baseball. I've coached wrestling for six. So there you go. Yeah, I guess it's what's going to keep you in it long term then, huh? Right. So right. Yeah, that, and again, baseball's well. kind of – it's still my love and my passion, but it's like wrestling's my new love. You know what I mean? It's like my old girlfriend for a long time. Now I've got this new love and new passion. I still love, I still love baseball, but I got this new thing going on too. So it's been really rewarding, really, um, you know, satisfying. Um, I try to make it a family affair. Even when I coach baseball, I, I want, I want everybody to be a part of the family. Come back when you graduate. Uh, I think those things are important. So it's changed me a lot. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's what's so great about the sport, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And just getting and, and the great thing is learning from people like it, it, you can you can get books and DVDs and all this and ever. But if you go talk to somebody and they put you in the move and they show you how to do it, it's so much better. I mean, you, you understand it. Um, it's that it's that white belt mentality, iron sharpening iron. Everybody's everybody that you come in contact with will help you become a better wrestler if you try to take one thing off of them. So I think that's, I, that's something I've always preached to our guys is like. When we're running camps and clinics, you having to teach the move to a three-year-old can make you realize something about the move that you never realized before Absolutely. and put conscious effort into it. You can always learn something from everybody. And, like, yeah. that's such a cool thing about the sport, too. Absolutely. When, when you got to break it down to someone like that from the fun, very fundamental aspects, like, man, it's, because you talked about it, that flow, man. You get in that flow, you don't know what you're doing. You just do it. It's, it's like a reaction. But when you have to stop and think and tell them, all right, you have to do this, you have to do that, there's so much thinking going on there that disrupts the flow. So absolutely, that's pretty cool. Um, well, look, I, I believe you. I know you have a, a, a dream and a passion to be a WWE champion. I think you're gonna do that. Uh, I'm gonna wish you the most luck at, at, in in Tokyo. Hopefully, what are we talking about? 2021 now, right? Possibly, yes, sir. They haven't had the the final decision yet. Um, I know you're gonna keep training like a madman. Um, we didn't even get into the Crohn's disease, but but you battle some things that most people don't have to battle. Which again. Uh, you, you could sit back and say, oh, poor pitiful Jacob, I've got Crohn's disease. I can't do it. You don't, you don't even think about that stuff, do you? No, I mean, everybody, everybody's got their crutches and the reasons why not to. And, you know, like I said, I'm trying to find my reasons why instead. Right. And some people wouldn't. They would, they would live on, you know, their disease or, or whatever was wrong with them and never get into the future because they're stuck in the past. And, and, that's, and that's mindset to me. So uh, I appreciate your time, Jacob. Hopefully we can hook up. Maybe you can do a camp for my guys one day and uh, get that thing packed out. And I'm looking forward to seeing you compete in the very, very, very near future, okay? Sounds good. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Take care, Jacob. Thank you for your time, brother. Bye-bye. All right. Again, we had Jacob Casper. Man, incredible kid. Young man, future WWE champion. Hopefully a, a gold medalist coming up here in the Worlds, um, in the Olympics. I really appreciate the time for, from Jacob and uh, 
you know, hopefully you learned something. We got some other big time names coming out in the next few weeks. Make sure you're checking out the Instagram live page. All our wrestling mindset coaches giving giving you some knowledge. And I'm looking forward to seeing the next one. And until next time, this is Coach Croc, and I am out. And that's a wrap for today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Wrestling Mindset. Make sure you check out our website, wrestlingmindset.com. Get our ebook. Make sure you get that ebook. Great information. Represents some of the best information that we have. Lessons that we've learned from some of the top wrestlers in the world. Lessons that we've learned from our own experience and the best that research can provide. Get the ebook, wrestlingmindset.com. Also, as an individual, make sure you personally sign up for the one-on-one free mindset consultation. The one-on-one free mindset consultation. Make sure you fill out the form and do that as soon as possible. The best results always come from one-on-one individual attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one individual attention is always the best. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you join us again for our next podcast, Mindset Makes the Difference. Have a great day. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details